Greetings, beautiful people, and welcome to Queen's Stand Up Support Network Radio. Our purpose and intention is to create a non-judgment zone of support for the leaders and those working to be the change they want to see, where we increase our awareness regarding the experiences that manifest as we navigate through this adventure we call life. Increasing awareness allows us the opportunity to choose to align with the actions necessary to manifest the desired change. You give all of you every day working to live on purpose, and now we intend to give back to you by empowering you to tune into your souls. Let us pray. Almighty Divine Creator, as we grow from strength to strength, we give thanks for this day and the opportunity to expand our vibration as infinite choice makers. Thank you for showing us the way of healing. We are open to receive as we continue to align ourselves with peace. May our homes and hearts be forever filled and surrounded with happiness, healthiness, love, and forgiveness as we live in the present moment, our most powerful point of being. In the name of the Father, the Mother, and the Child. Amen. Mut Kanshu. Ashe. So let it be. Sunday to you. Last week, we were talking about the hidden power of vulnerability. Really good show. Um, you can check it out by visiting queenstandup.com. That's right, queenstandup.com. We have all of the listings of our past shows on there for your review. So um, your listening pleasure. If you didn't get an opportunity to join us live, you can always visit there. Today, we are here to discuss the importance of taking a daily respite, a topic that can really benefit everyone, young, old, you know, um, of any culture. And because, you know, rest is really vital for the mind and the body-soul connection. Even though sometimes we think we are, we are not energizer batteries, which are meant to keep going and going and going. Um, in fact, this practice for us could be less effective and less productive, even though we are doing a lot, or we think we're doing a lot. Have you heard the idea that less is more? Well, we happen to think this adage is on to something, truly. Easy to miss and even more complex to understand, right? How could you be doing less and get more? Well, it's all about the concentration, right, the penetration, the amount that you're penetrating, the quality of your time and how it is spent. Um, you can do a whole lot of things half, you know, halfway, or you can do less completely. So the idea that rest is crucially important is oftentimes best experienced because you'll start to see, oh, wow, I'm plugging in more rest. And I'm actually able to accomplish more because I'm not burning out on one end, you know. Our guest host today, uh, Betsy Ridgway, author of 
um, well, she's going to tell us about her book, um, has decided to help us dissect this idea even further. So to join the discussion, dial in to 929-477-2476 and press 1. Hi, Betty. Good morning, Hi, yes. can you hear me okay? I can. Fantastic. Great. To get us started today, tell us the name of your book. Yes, it's called The Song of My Hope. The Song of My Hope. Awesome, awesome. Yes. I love it. And you Thank are you. Your, one of your major um, messages that you bring to the people is that hope transformed the impossible into unending possibilities. It's true. It's true. And the whole topic of daily respite is woven into um, my faith story. Um, so that's uh, what I would like to start with is my how I grew up with my faith and that kind of thing. And it'll work right into the respite. Wonderful. Okay. So thank you. Okay. And just thank you for inviting me today. I'm honored to be here. So um, I did grow up in a Christian home. I was the second oldest of four siblings. Um, But by the time I was 20, I was starting to feel uh, restless in the area of I didn't have a strong faith, um, even though, you know, I was brought up as a Christian. So for the next 10 years, all through my 20s, I went on a spiritual quest to see if God was real. And um, I was attending a college and um, taking lots of courses. And and when you go to college, your mind opens, you know, to many more things. And so um, I first went down the road of transcendental meditation, and I did that for a couple of years. And um, But uh, eventually, in the long run, I didn't feel it brought me satisfaction, so I moved on. And I don't know if you're, I'm sure, a lot younger than me, April, so I don't know if you remember Est. Estes uh, Earhart Seminar Training. It was wildly popular back in the 70s. And so I thought, well, okay, I'm going to try Est and see what happens. And although it did um, give me confidence, it teaches you how to engage in your personal power, basically. Um, I did feel more confident, and that was good. I did not, I was not a confident person growing up. I was very insecure. Um, But in the long run, I just kind of felt like this was a dead end and I needed to move along and keep searching. So um, I went down the road of um, not really engaging in Hinduism as a religion, but I did look into Hinduism and tried a few of their techniques. Um, But again, I felt like this wasn't bringing me any closer to God. So now fast forward, I'm 30. The 10 years have gone by. And um, an older lady that I knew suggested that I start listening to contemporary Christian music. And I thought, well, okay, why not? I'll give it a shot. So I did. I started listening to it. And eventually I started listening to sermons on the radio. And I just really felt a, like a magnetism toward Jesus. I, I, it's really a hard thing to describe, but I just felt drawn back to my original faith. And I decided to rededicate my life to um, Jesus at that time. And I really started feeling alive for the first time. It was just an amazing experience. And interestingly, that same year when I turned 30, I met my future husband, Russ. And uh, we dated for two years and then got married. And because by this time I'm 32, I'm a little bit older, and I, I, you know, everybody knew I had always wanted to be a mom. So we just dove headlong into into trying to get pregnant right away. And thankfully, I had no problem getting pregnant. Within a few months, I was pregnant. And the unfortunate thing was, I did miscarry, um, and I was just devastated because I had just kind of looked forward to this my whole life. And I just was really thrown for a loop when I miscarried. And because my faith was so young at that point, um, I really didn't have a good faith to lean on. And I was just really confused. Um, but thankfully, um, oh, about a year later, we just, I wanted to wait. I just, it took me almost a year really to recuperate from that. So I said, let's try again about a year later. So we tried again. And again, I got pregnant very quickly. And just like the last time, within this time, it was about, I was about eight weeks along before I miscarried. And um, April, I got to take sips of water along the way. I'm starting to get a cold. So excuse me just a second. Oh, sure. Absolutely. There we go. 
Okay, mm-hmm. so um, the second miscarriage was just devastating. Each one is devastating when you have one. But, um, you know, I'm getting older each year, and I'm getting worried, geez, am I ever going to become a parent? And so more questions. I still, you know, was a baby Christian, and um, I, I didn't have faith to lean on for comfort. So at any rate, um, again, we waited about another year and became pregnant again, third time. And this time I said, I'm not going to tell anybody until after the first trimester is over because I'm so afraid I'm going to miscarry again. And, you know, before I told people right away, so it was, you know, hard to go back and tell people, you know, that I'd miscarried. So I waited, and the 13th week I started, you know, uh, telling everybody I knew I was pregnant. And unfortunately, the week after that I miscarried again. So, oh, boy, I was furious this time. I was just mad. I go, okay, this is ridiculous, God. Why are you doing I was blaming him. Mm. Why are you doing this to me? And uh, But what we did was we decided to uh, turn that anger into action. And Russ and I had every test uh, known to man as to what is wrong with us. You know, there must be something wrong. But interestingly, uh, the doctors couldn't find anything wrong with either one of us. It was such a mystery, and it's really hard to live with a mystery, you know. Um, Mm. So anyway, uh, what we decided to do was pursue adoption at that point. And I was 38, and um, I said, you know, if we do happen to get pregnant again, um, Mm -hmm. that's great. Then we just will drop the adoption thing. But let's go ahead and start it. I'm getting older, and, you know, you can only be so old when you apply for adoption, and I was just at the cutoff point being 38. So, and my husband was younger than me, so that, that actually helped. But at any rate, um, I did get pregnant again about three months into the adoption process. And I just told Russ, I said, if I miscarry again, I said, I want to close the door forever on becoming a parent. This is too much. I can't handle this anymore. And unfortunately, I did miscarry a fourth time, and um, we did proceed with closing the door forever on having parents naturally, being parents naturally. But um, we decided to just go headlong into the adoption process, and um, that's what we did. Um, So the next year, I'm 39 now, I started becoming very ill again with ulcerative colitis. And if you'll indulge me, I'd like to read just a little portion from my book, uh, which, by the way, isn't out till June 1st, but, um, of course, it's all pretty much ready to go. But this really describes my very first respite, and that's why I'd like to read it word for word. Yes, please. Okay. Love to. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> I was nearing my 40th birthday in 1991. I became extremely ill again with ulcerative colitis. I'd been diagnosed at age 17. I'd been in and out of hospitals and had tried every medication possible. Surgery was looming as my only alternative. In July of 91, one and a half years after we had begun the adoption process, I was advised to have a colectomy. My entire large intestine needed to be removed to rid me of this painful and debilitating disease. The doctor had told me I would need one and a half years to totally heal. I was afraid that the adoption agency would call us while I was in the healing process, but my fear lessened as I learned how to lean on God and trust him. A couple of months after my surgery, I kept waking up in the middle of the night. I felt God calling me to spend time with him, but I was stubborn. I did not want to get out of my warm bed even though I was having trouble falling back asleep. This routine went on for a few more nights until I said to God, All right, Lord, I will get up. Although I had learned the Bible basics for the past few years, I had not developed a personal relationship with Jesus. I had no clue where to start. I knew step one was getting out of bed, so I put on my robe and slippers and padded downstairs. I plopped myself down at the dining room table. I randomly opened my Bible upon the Psalms. My eyes were drawn to start reading this particular scripture. And I'm just going to read a little portion of it. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. 
My soul thirsts for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you throughout the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. I was crying by the time I was done reading this. These verses changed my life. Excuse me, I'm going to cry again. I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. I've not read that for so long, April. I wrote it a year ago, and I can't believe I'm getting so emotional over this now. That's okay. That's These really, are good. They're, they're so cleansing. Awesome. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I, yeah. It's okay. good, though. Oh, thank you. So I'll finish. I'm almost done here. God was describing my life. He was describing my life prior to coming down the stairs. I had been earnestly seeking him for many years and had found him at age 30. It would take until this moment to know him personally. And he was letting me boldly know that he knew me personally. He wanted to be my protector and the one I would run to when in need. This would be the first encounter, and eventually I would learn to seek him daily. Nearly 30 years later, I am still running to him each morning. So now, April, back to my story. Right after my one and a half years of healing from that um, operation, we got the call to adopt Sean, and we only had 24 hours notice. And, April, I'll never forget this. I was 30 minutes away from home when Russ called me and said we had the call. Now, we'd been waiting three years, and I thought he was joking with me, and I got really mad at him. (laughs) And I then had to drive 30 minutes home. And I tell you, I don't even know how he drove home. I don't remember any red lights or anything. I'm sure I didn't break the law, but I was so freaked out. So uh, we got home. We called the adoption agency. And they said, yes, we have a 12-day baby boy if you're interested. But, and we went, oh, no. (laughs) They said um, the birth mother had had radiation therapy when she was seven months pregnant with him. And she didn't know she was pregnant. She had cancer. So um, this was really like, wow, a dilemma. You know, what, what could happen to this baby? Who knows? But uh, we talked to a doctor, a nurse. We prayed. And we just decided, you know, God brought us this baby and he must be ours. So we picked him up the next day at the adoption agency, which is such a freaky way to become a parent. Okay, first it's sudden, and second, it's not even on a hospital setting. It was just also very bizarre, but it was also beautiful. It was just amazing. When I, when I first laid eyes on him, I just burst into tears. So it was just a, mm. a really beautiful thing. So now eight months goes by. Let me get a little sip of water. And <clears throat> I'm feeding him his morning bottle. And I look down. He's not sucking on it. And I'm thinking that's weird. And his little eye and part of his mouth are twitching. And they won't stop twitching. And I just went, what in the world? So I ran up to my husband and woke him up. And we called the pediatrician. And he said, oh, my gosh, get him to the ER right now. And so we did, and it would take 18 hours of testing, and we were uh, waiting in, a, in the room with him. It was midnight by this time, and the doctor burst in and just said, I'm really sorry, but he's got a massive brain tumor. So we just, we were devastated, and they uh, rushed him down to a children's hospital near us here in, on the West Coast. And um, we'd have to wait the weekend. This was a Friday. We had to wait till Monday um, for him to have surgery. And they wouldn't know until the surgery what kind of brain tumor it was. But the the neurosurgeon said even if he survives uh, the surgery, he might be blind, deaf, or paralyzed. So, like, this was really a very, very difficult thing. Um, He did... Uh, go through the surgery very, very successfully and woke up moving his fingers and toes. And we wouldn't know for a while that he was peripherally blind on both eyes, but that was the um, the major thing that, that um, he had as a result of the brain tumor. I mean, there were other things. We'll, we'll, I'll tell you that in a minute. But we were just so thankful that he was alive. 
And uh, what they told us um, uh, a day later was that this was a very um, devastating brain tumor, and uh, it was terminal, and they gave him a 2% chance to survive. And again, we just like were so completely stunned. We could not believe it. But um, by now, you know, I've been um, having my daily respite time, and I had been I was a little stronger in the Lord now. And um, Sean would go on, though, to have, you know, we just decided to fight for his life. They gave us a choice. Go home and enjoy him for a few months, and he'll die. Or let's try to fight for his life, and it'll be a terrible fight. So we decided to fight for his life, and he would have four rounds of chemo. It grew back again, as it always does. It doubles in size every seven to ten days. It's so aggressive. Uh, it grew back, and they didn't even want to operate on him. They said, no, it'll just keep coming back. We're not going to do it. So we found a wonderful surgeon at Children's Hospital in Los Angeles to do the second surgery. And then after that, he had one more dose of extremely high-dose chemo. They were trying to knock out. They couldn't get the whole tumor with each surgery, so they tried to knock it out with chemo. So the last chemo was high dose. It was a very horrible experience, and um, the, the bigger story is in my book. But just to make it shorter, um, uh, that March, um, he was given another MRI, and the tumor was completely gone. Nobody That's could wonder. I mean, yeah, it was a true miracle. How did so um, now during this yeah. time? How did how did yeah. um, taking a, a daily it help you to you know manage the cope? Yes, I'll tell you, it's really the only thing that helped me cope. And um, mm-hmm. by this time, you know, going through something so horrible, uh, parents that don't have um, a good, strong foundation to lean on, whatever that is they do, they fall apart. And um, it's just, it's hard. Lots of times there's an, a, a divorce goes on, and um, it's just really a hard thing on families, you know. And a lot, we were fortunate that he was our first child, and we didn't have other children to look after. But a lot of families right. there had other children to look after as well as go through it. And, you know, we saw a lot of strife going on. But I was peaceful. I was. Pe- I had so many people praying for me. I describe it as I felt like I was floating in a protective bubble that whole time. It was just mm. a really different experience. But that is how we survived uh, the daily mm. and constant prayer. Okay. And that's a great question. That's wonderful. What is what is so, your idea? Yeah. What does a daily respite mm-hmm. look like for you? Is it actual sleep or what? What is that? Can you define? Well, that? I'll tell you. Yes, I'll tell you. And I just wanted to just finish up in a nutshell. We ended up um, adopting Sean's older brother uh, when he was cancer free. Um, we ad- adopted the older brother. So then we had the two brothers. Cameron had emotional needs, and Sean had a list of about ten things of medical needs and so I was extremely stressed out and so a respite if I were to to define what a respite is I would say it's a time set apart with quiet no electronics or distractions and what it does is it's a time of strengthening and it's a time of your personal transfer transformation health. And what I like to say is, I like to, to call it Shalom Health. So shalom, what I define as Shalom Health. Shalom is a Hebrew word. And I looked this up a few years ago, and I got so excited about this. Just now I need to take a sip. And so what it means in Hebrew, it means not just peace, like we think Shalom means peace, that's it. But it also means harmony wholeness, health, completeness, verity, tranquility, security, and perfection. That's what the word shalom means. It's such a beautiful Mm. word. So I like to say that your respite will um, transform you towards shalom health. Mm. So um, that that is how I define a respite. 
And wow, that's, so I love I, that so much. Yeah. So when you're when you're taking the time to embrace and enjoy creating the space for a daily respite in your life, it's very mm-hmm. um, you're you're also building up those cultivating those attributes, the the peace, the prosperity. Yes. You're cultivating yes, yes, the yes. healing, and so that's how we can yes. really connect, make the connection because. I think it's difficult for people to, to, to especially because uh, we have been conditioned to believe that we have to go, go, some of us, that we have to go, yeah. go, 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 go in order to build value right. into who we are, you know, and exactly. that we always have to be on in order to, you know, um, to um, have worth. But, yeah, you know, there's a lot feel that worthy. can be happening yeah. and to feel worthy, yeah. right? There's a lot that can be happening. Right. So many people can benefit from peace. And so if you can be, you know, a channel for that energy, that's also very valuable because so many people need that. Absolutely. And I should know I'm a type A personality. <laughs> ah, okay. Way more than the average person, I think. The type A personalities are the go-go energizer bunny type people. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I've got some fascinating statistics here that are not boring. There's just three of them, and you'll be blown away. I was. I wanted to look up um, and, and answer the question, why is it so important to take a daily respite? So I looked up a few things, and a recent Gallup poll from 2017, still very fresh, they found that 80% of all Americans are stressed. I was shocked by that. Uh, I feel a lot of us are stressed, but 80% of us sounded Mm. like really high to me. And the uh, NIH, National Institute of Health, says that continued strain on your body from routine stress can lead to, and then there's a list of diseases, heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, all of that, including depression and anxiety. And now this is the most shocking one of all. The CDC, Center for Disease Control, reports that 110 million people die every year as a direct result of stress. That's shocking. Wow. So, Science has actually proven that a respite has many benefits, including you get more energy, you reduce inflammation in your body, and inflammation is what causes all disease. You have more Mm -hmm. creativity, focus, productivity, all those things. And what I found was one last shocking statement. (laughs) This was from the Scientific American, and they said without regular respite and nighttime sleep, incapacitating burnout was eminent. I find Mm. that so powerful. This is how desperately we all need to take time. Now, I've got a question for you, April. Mm -hmm. Do you know what the most common reason cited as to why people um, are stressed? Mm. Maybe um, thinking about how they're going to provide for themselves. Well, that's a good answer. You know, money, kids, but the number one thing that stresses people out the most, because this surprised me actually, is they don't feel they have enough time. And when when you have that feeling, yeah, like especially like this is so me, I'm terrible with regulating my time. And I'm always late to things, and it's so embarrassing, and it's so stressful to be late to something. (laughs) And so this is people's number one stressor is not enough time. And yet we all have the same 24 hours, but 80% of those people, (laughs) you know, and I fall into that category. So the problem is we fail to plan for respite. And this requires living on purpose, just like you say in your beginning of your show every week, We must live on purpose. And I like to pair that with living with intention. Same thing. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to have a respite on purpose, the average person will say, I'm sorry, but I just don't have time. And so what I like to tell people is, I say, first of all, you're not going to like what I'm going to say, this idea. 
but if you go to bed 30 minutes sooner and tape record your favorite show instead of watching it and watch it later, go to bed 30 minutes earlier and get up 30 minutes earlier. It's hard at first, but once you do it, it becomes so routine and natural. And that way you've got that extra 10, 15 minutes every morning for a respite. It really is not a hard thing. So I um, totally agree. Yeah, the beauty of that, then you're not stressed getting ready. You've got that extra, you know, 15, 20 minutes for getting out the door. So it gives you a double benefit. But it is funny Mm -hmm. how people get real uh, clingy to, like, their favorite TV shows and that kind of thing. And so, anyway, I just have to laugh Mm -hmm. when I hear people. No, but, you know, that is really true. That is really true. Like, you you, you, you know, I think it's more about um, people – one of, one of the things I'm hearing you say is the importance mm-hmm. of cultivating a routine. And yeah. we talk a lot about that on our show and, and how that is important to help you to find a center, to find a sense of security, you know. Um, and that's yeah. what happens. Like whatever, even if you don't have, a, haven't intentionally or purposefully created a routine, you have one, right? You have right. one. And so what... Right. Um, what usually happens and the reason why people have to watch that show or do that thing is because it's a part of their routine and psychologically it's giving them a, a sense of security, right? To know True. what it is. Yeah. is. It's built yeah. into their internal programming. And right. when you start to actually consciously create your routine, you can build in a programming that's a healthier programming that also, you know, that, that, that includes your, you know, your shows or whatever, but just also include and incorporate other components like a respite time so that you find a sense of balance in it. Because usually when it was created intentionally, you, you're burning mm-hmm. out at some point, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. I just completely agree with that. And interestingly, um, yeah. No, no, you go. Well, I was just going to say, like, you know, it's not a bad thing to, you know, like we try to judge, you know, this and good and bad and label things as shoulds and shouldn't. And it's, that's not what we're suggesting here. We're not suggesting that you shouldn't watch your, your favorite show. Um, We're just suggesting that perhaps, you know, incorporated in a way that also allows you to include a daily respite just as much as, as that's important. Like for me with my meditation, you know, one of the tricks mm-hmm. that I have with myself because I know that I like to watch my shows, you know, some right. certain shows that, that I, I, I like to watch. So I, I, you know, I discipline myself with it. So I'll say, yeah. you know what, instead of, because sometimes I like to binge watch, you know, does that happen to you mm-hmm. ever? Mm-hmm. I'm sure that happens to uh, people yes, there. Yes, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that I do, and, and you know, when I know I'm going to sit and do a binge watch, right, um, yeah. because that's just where I'm at with it, what I'll do is I'll watch mm-hmm. one of the shows, and then I say, I'll tell myself before the show begins, after this, this one, I'm going to go do a meditation before I go on yes. to the next one. So I'll watch yes. one, and then I'll go do my meditation, and then I'll get back on my binge watching. So it's kind of like I'm treating myself in a way to watch the show. I'm rewarding yes. myself for, for having done my meditations, if you will. Yes. But the key to all That's of good. that is I like you, that. Have to, you, you have to know yourself, right? You have to know yourself, and, right. and what works for one person may not work for you, so... That was my my That's feel right. about that. That's Watch right. your show, it's a journey. Do your respite. Yeah, yeah. It's a real journey. It's a real journey for each person, um, and they have to discover what that is. But what I'd like to do is just share uh, what I personally do. Um, okay. Because so many people over the years have asked me because I have turned into a peaceful person. And let me tell you what, I was not born a peaceful person. I was just a bundle of nerves and anxiety most of my life. I still have to Mm. kind of fight against the anxiety. Um, But as long as I keep in that rhythm of the the daily respite, I can maintain a much more peaceful attitude throughout the day. And believe me, when you have special needs kids, especially any kids, 
uh, but or a stressful job or maybe an abusive husband, whatever is the stress in your life, it's so important that you maintain your own sense of peace so that you don't become unhealthy. So um, anyway, people have asked me over the years, so I thought, well, I'll write it down, and here's what I, here's what I have. So I just basically have two steps of what I personally do. The step one is ponder a power thought. Now, for me, a power thought can be a famous quote, or it can be um, a verse from the Bible. Um, It can be whatever um, moves you. So what I did was I looked up a wonderful quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. You will love this one, April. The future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. I love that one. And so you could just simply meditate on that, even pick the words apart, um, and just really think on it over and over, read it over and over. Okay, so now I'm going to give you an example of a scripture. This is uh, Proverbs 31. You're going to like this one too. She is clothed with strength and dignity and laughs without fear of the future. And what I'll do once in a while is I'll, I'll pick a few words apart and look them up in the Hebrew just to see um, if it's from the Old Testament and just to see the deeper meaning, just like with shalom. You saw how deep that became, that one word. So I meditate on these power thoughts over and over. And eventually what happens in your brain, and I'm sorry, but um, my nickname is Brainy Betsy, not because I'm smart. <laughs> but because I studied the brain for so many years because my son had the brain tumor and I wanted to figure things okay. out, you know, okay. uh, I wanted to figure him out. So anyway, I, I will talk a lot uh, over time about the brain, but I'll just mention it briefly. So when you think a thought over and over, it eventually creates this um, neural highway in your brain. And I'll, I'll explain a little bit about what that is. Um, I was reading uh, in the time magazine, they had a little article And it said, every time we learn, we form, strengthen, and connect brain pathways. Mm -hmm. So a brain pathway or a neural highway is formed in our brains when you think a thought over and over and over and over. And so then what happens is that thought starts to travel faster and faster and faster, and eventually it becomes a part of who we are. So this is transformation in action. Isn't that amazing? Mm, Absolutely. It's that simple. It's that simple. And that's how we replace stress with wholeness. So as a personal example, I have a little story to tell you. Um, When Sean, this is like 16 years ago, when Sean was 10, um, he rode the little yellow school bus. You know, when you're special needs, you ride the little yellow school bus to school. Excuse me one second. And so I was waiting in the driveway like every day, waiting for him, the bus to arrive and him to get off. And so um, he stepped off the bus, and instead of walking toward the house, he turned and he ran up the sidewalk. And I thought, that's odd. You know, what's he, what's he doing? And then he, he turned and he walked into the middle of the street. And then he just stood there in the middle of the street. And, I mean, I was just so mortified. Uh, I yelled at him. I said, Sean, get out of the street. And he just stood there. And a large, regular school bus full of children, where the street, where they use our street to, you know, is the route for their bus, it was coming towards Sean. And, like, I was so mortified. And, thankfully, the bus driver saw Sean and stopped, came to a complete stop. I cut off with Sean. I, you know, walked him over to the sidewalk. And, like, I didn't even know what to say. I said, what are you doing? And he didn't answer me, and he was sort of like a little zombie. And I thought, okay, this is really bizarre. Well, then he breaks loose out of my hand, my grip, and he does it again. He runs into the middle of the street, you know, runs up a little further, into the middle street, stops again. And you're not going to believe it, but another school bus was coming, another big, large school bus with kids. And thank God that bus driver also saw him and stopped. Caught up to him again, grabbed him by the arm, and walked him back home. And he, this time he walked with me, and he didn't try to get away. And um, I was just so completely shocked. I knew I couldn't question him at that point 
because he just wasn't himself. And later I would find out that he had had um, some kind of weird food at school and he had a lot of food allergies and it really can affect you mentally. So anyway. um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The point is um, I was completely stressed out by this experience. And um, so two, two hours later I had a doctor appointment. So I go to my doctor appointment and by this time now I feel like I'm completely calm. I don't feel stressed out anymore and I'm there for my annual physical, and they take your blood pressure right when you first walk in, and, they, and the guy says, wow, uh, your blood pressure is kind of high. And I'm thinking, well, okay. Um, you know, I'm always stressed when you go into the doctor. Your blood pressure always seems to be a little high when they first do it. That's typical. But this was, like, really high, heart attack high. And uh, the doctor came in and took it again, and it was still really dangerously high. And <laughs> she looked at me. And she knows me very well, my doctor. And she said, um, are you experiencing any stress? And I just stared at her like a deer in the headlights because she knows my life. And we both just blessed out laughing. I go, really? <laughs> and I go, yeah. And I, to- I told her what happened. And I said, but, but could my blood pressure stay high for two hours? And she goes, yeah, absolutely. I just could not believe that. I was really shocked and I was really scared. Yeah. My, that uh, is shocking. My dad, that shocked. is really shocking. Yeah. So, yeah. With, um, so knowing, like, that's, that's, you bring up a really good point that, you know, you, you could be experiencing stress and your body is experiencing it as well at a really mm-hmm. heightened level. Yeah. So, and you don't know. So, you don't, you don't know. know. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Did your doctor have some suggestions? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, high blood pressure medication. (laughs) Well, okay. And eventually, your doctor didn't have any suggestions in regards regards to how to minimize your stress in a natural way. No. Without medication. Okay. The medical community, no, they're not in touch that way. Um, okay. Unless you're a chiropractor, I, I have found the medical community not to be in touch that way. But um, what I did do. You're was, right. Chiropractors uh, do seem to have a sense, uh-huh. a more sense of holistic oh, yeah. health. That's really interesting Definitely. to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chiropractors yeah. for that reason. But I went home just to finish the story very quickly, and I had in my Bible I had previously highlighted all throughout the Book of Psalms the the most relaxing and uplifting scriptures only those only so I thought well okay if she tells me I'm stressed and I need to lower my blood pressure um, the only way I know to calm down is to have a respite so I went in and shut my door and thankfully you know my husband could still watch my son and my boys and I started reading those psalms I did take my blood pressure myself and it had lowered down to 146 over 86 but I started reading 30 minutes okay. later, I took my blood pressure again, and it had gone down 10 points in 30 minutes. That's wow. a lot. That's quick. That is. I know. So that respite, it really had a, a, uh, a physical reaction to my body. So that's why it is so completely important to have a respite. Well, you know, we, you know, well, I'm, I'm, physically. May we study um, Dr. Joe Dispenza uh, in our community here, and one of the things that mm-hmm. he is known for saying is that our thoughts can make us sick. And so our thoughts can also make us well. And that's exactly what you just demonstrated just now is that when you took the time to go into your um, respite and read those verses, Mm -hmm. you started to experience wellness. Right. Yeah. It was instant. um, I mean, it was so fast. Yeah. So yeah. really, uh, that's why it's so important. You got 80% of Americans stressed out, you know, and people dying, 110 million dying every year because of stress. So anyway, that's my step one. And step two is much, much shorter than step one. So the next thing that is so important to do, I learned this tech years ago, you take okay. your little power thought and you personalize it. So Okay. To remind you of the first one, the future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. This is how I would personalize it. I will okay. possess a wonderful future because I believe in the beauty of my dream. See how much more powerful it is to say it that way? You're owning it. Now, 
here's another way to say it. You can stick your own name into it. So I'm going to put your name into it. April will possess a wonderful future because she believes in the beauty of her dream. Now that's much I love more powerful. that so much. It's I love beautiful. that. And you, you know what it reminds me of because I'm always, um, you know, one of the things that we do in our subconscious takeover workshop, and you can learn more about mm-hmm. that by visiting the creatingthehabitofwellness.com uh, website is, you know, we think about the, the behavior, you know, the belief behind the behavior. Yeah. And I think that that's so important because if you are um, activating in the, you know, the no time, you're waking up late, you know, or just on time, um, mm-hmm. it's kind of not in alignment with the belief in the beauty of your dream. You know, it's yes. like you, you don't, you're showing with your action that you don't really believe that your dreams can come true. But if you're giving yourself yes. the, the opportunity to engage and cultivate the characteristics necessary to have your dreams manifest, it's saying with your actions, with your behavior, that you do believe in your dreams. So it's really important mm-hmm. for us to take a look at uh, the belief that is behind how we are acting in life. And I don't think a lot exactly. of us have the time to, to, to do that. So, you know, if you're waking up, exactly. that action is in alignment with the belief that there's not enough time. So you're proving yourself right. You know, yeah. if you're not allowing yourself to get rest, you're saying you don't believe that you deserve rest or that there is time for rest. That's a fearful act. So, you know, you're creating that reality for yourself. You're making that true in your life. You're actually rewiring your brain when you change your belief system. And you can see it in the brain. I mean, it's actually something you can see in the brain, which is so interesting. I follow follow this um, neurologist. Her name's Dr. Caroline Leaf. And she did some experiments where um, you could actually see it on an MRI. And she said when you think, for instance, uh, toxic thoughts, they form little black trees in your brain. You can see it. And, um, wow. and so if you've, been, if you've been hit your whole life with negativity, you think, well, you can, through a daily respite, rewire that brain. You can get rid of that black tree, she said, by uh, thinking the, the positive thoughts. And you're rewiring your brain. You're creating a new neural highway towards the positive and away from the negative. So you, this is how we transform ourselves. And yes. that's how our belief about ourselves changes. You might yes. not believe this, this, you know, what I just quoted. You might not believe it at first, but you just keep saying it over and over and over, and eventually you will believe it. That's the beauty of it. And that's the end of my respite that's the quiet time. But when I am done with that, I do two more steps that are equally important. You must visualize and you, you visualize by posting your power thought around the house or around your, your workplace so that you can remember to keep saying it and that, you know, maybe change it up, maybe do one a week, change it every week, or maybe do two a week, whatever, you know, don't go crazy and try a new one every day, but do you really want to rewire that brain? So stick to one maybe for a week. And then the last thing is that you, this is the most powerful one of all. Speak your personalized power thought out loud daily. That is so important mm. that you speak it because there is power in the spoken word. It creates sound waves, and it actually has power. And I just want to um, tell you very briefly about a little experiment that I read about that this scientist did. Okay, I've told okay. several people about this, and they went, yeah, right. But, April, I know you will believe this like I do. <laughs> it's so amazing. He took two mason jars and filled them with white, fluffy rice, okay? And mm-hmm. uh, two cups in each one. He measured them, everything. On the first uh, mason jar, he wrote the word, thank you. On the second mason jar, he labeled it, you fool. He took the jars of rice into an elementary school and put one in, in two different classrooms, And every day, the children were to go by the jar 
once in the morning and once in the afternoon, and say the words that were on the jar. Okay? So the one that said, you fool, at the end of the 30 days turned into a black gelatinous goop. It was so gross. Now, this is the weird part, the unbelievable part. The other one that had the positive thank you on it, it was still white and fluffy. Wow. It really, it's like throwing a pebble into a pond and you see the ripples. Our words create a ripple effect, either negative or positive. That's how important it is to have these power thoughts, you know, meditate on them, ponder them, put them around your house and then speak them out loud because yeah. it will occur. A change will occur. You can get health through that daily Absolutely. I, I am so, a believer, and I've experienced it as well. We're going to take a little break, um, Betsy, and sure. we will be right back. So stay tuned. We're going to listen to Ms. Sandra's Moment of Power. Y'all know what time it is. Get ready for Ms. Sandra's Moment of Power. Mama's on. She's chopping them jewels. Mama's on. Better listen up and you'll grow. Good morning, queens and kings. The importance of taking a daily respite. So I'm sure that the majority of us have had the opportunity as an adult to take a nap during the course of the day and have experienced how rewarding that gift is appreciated, especially if you have stressful or intense lifestyle where people depend on you for just about everything. If you have not experienced it as of yet, go ahead and give yourself permission without feeling guilty to take a nap or just rest and think or do nothing for about an hour. A daily respite allows the adrenaline in your body to slow down. Adrenaline increases the heart rate, increases blood pressure. It expands the air passage in your lungs. It enlarges the pupils in your eyes. It redirects the blood to the, to the muscles, and it also alters the body metabolism. Respite allows your brain to relax and not overwork itself. So respite is so important because of all the work we demand from our bodies on a daily basis. Respite causes us to think and see clearly when we are facing a crisis. If we are caregivers of people with special needs, moms of young children, doctors, nurses, counselors, instructors, listeners, givers, movers and shakers, etc., 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 we must build that respite time into our schedules. It could be as little as 15 minutes it will give you that extra boost that you need to carry you the rest of the day or shift. Let us be more responsible for the life we have been given so we can continue to give without overexerting ourselves. Let us therefore make every effort to enter the rest so that no one will perish by following the examples of disobedience. Hebrews 4.11. Be blessed and happy Sunday to all. Thank you, Ms. Sandra. Absolutely. So one of the things that she mentioned was in relationship to the hormone levels. Um, adrenaline and also cortisol is another one. Um, and when those levels are raised, it's basically we are tapping into the sympathetic nervous system. And that sympathetic nervous system is when the fight and flight responses um, turn, switch on. By taking a respite, we actually flip that switch off and we turn on what is known as the parasympathetic nervous system. And when that switches on, the left and right hemisphere of the brain, they communicate with one another. And that communication allows for uh, reflection. It allows for information. It allows the brain to process more effectively. So this is science. There's a science behind why it is important to allow your brain to relax for a moment because we actually can be addicted to the hormonal rushes, you know, which is why we keep going on and on and on sometimes and which is also why it's sometimes difficult for us to switch things off because we are addicted to the feeling, um, to the rush that the adrenaline and the cortisol um, heightened level of those hormones is giving us. 
So addictions don't always just come in the form of sex, drugs, and, um, you know, uh, alcohol. They also, it also comes in the form that we can be addicted to certain feelings, um, whether those feelings are of anger or, you know, excitement. We can also be addicted to sadness and things of that nature. So I feel like the importance of taking the daily respite is just to allow us to process the feelings so that we can identify mm-hmm. and center ourselves. What are your oh, thoughts about so that? that is good, Nancy? April. I love that. In fact, um, if you sign up on my website to Friday morning blogs, that I write one every Friday morning uh, at sparklinghope.net, um, you'll mm-hmm. receive my little package called Spiritual Secrets for Health. And I talk mm. exactly about that. I have a little article I wrote called The Crazy Science of Stress. And it's exactly what you were just saying. And I wrote another article called Are You Sick and Tired from Stress? And uh, lastly, I have 10 really easy things you can do right now to um, be calm and refreshed. And like um, uh, Sandra was saying earlier, that we have to give ourselves permission sometimes to take a rest. Even I get stuck with that sometimes, the feeling guilty, resting. But I go, no, this is for my health. (laughs) This is to stay healthy. And um, it's just so important that we understand um, the need for this to stay healthy. I love so. that. And tell us again. I love the the, the um, mention of the fact of us feeling guilty about taking a break, and you know, just that you're aware of that. That's important. You know, um, yes. Mm-hmm. Even the fact, you know, just the awareness of that is a step in the right direction because sometimes we don't realize why we are go go going. And right. most likely it's because, you know, we feel a sense of guilt or, you know, like, right. so that's awesome that you have identified well, that. Please I, tell, I, us, tell us your website again where we can go and get that yes, new stuff, subscribe to. to that newsletter. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's sparklinghope.net. It's uh, the name of my business is Sparkling Hope. And when you have light behind hope, it sparkles. <laughs> so anyway, uh-huh. I, have, I have basically two subjects. I always write about one is called neuro health and that addresses anything to do with um, the brain, special needs, that kind of thing. The other um, uh, blogs, the other topic is Shalom health. And Mm. I write about 50, 50. And um, so I just love writing on this topic. A lot of my blogs um, have to do with things we talked about this morning. In fact, I just wrote, um, I, I was late in writing my blog this week, preparing for today, but um, I mm-hmm. got the same title, is um, the importance okay. of taking a daily respite. And I've got all my references in there of what I talked about, the studies. If you want to look the references up of the studies I talked about there in that blog. So oh. and I have a fantastic resource page, and I have um, some ways that parents can find out how they can get a respite for their kids away from their kids if they're stuck in a special needs type situation it's extremely difficult to find sitters you know nobody wants to babysit your kid because they're like a regular kid times 10 you know so um, i've got some wonderful uh things on my resource page uh in that area so oh that's awesome i love that so much um because that is those are some important questions um that people will have like how can I take a break because as you said it can be quite difficult so right. thank you for doing that and you said the website's name is sparklinghope.net hope correct yes sparklinghope.net well thank you so so much Betsy for coming on to the show for sharing all of your wisdom with us today um, you know take letting go you know taking a break um, having a respite it's it's so important, you know, and I really feel like a lot of us feel like, you know, we're not doing enough or, you know, like we are, um, you know, like we have to keep going in order. I know that that was the case for me, but since I've also been including more respites, more meditation, more um, devotional time, I've actually been able to get a lot more done. I want to leave you, friends, today with a poem um, that I wrote. It's called Keep Believing, 
And I feel like it's so important in an alignment with our message today. It says, when you've done all you can and things don't go as planned, because that happens, it's hard, but it's time to let go. Letting go is not giving up. Letting go is not giving in. Letting go is not a defeat. Letting go is about trust. Hold the vision. Keep believing. All things are possible. Don't trust what you see. Amazing things happen when we continue to activate faith and believe. Have a beautiful Sunday, everyone. Be well. Today's show was such a blessing. Join us next Sunday, April 21st at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as we discuss having fun with your fears. Our guest host will be Laura DeFranco. To learn more about Laura, visit her website at www.bravehealer.com. Until next time, and always beautiful people, be blessed and queens stand up.